You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Amen. All right, praise the Lord. Okay, if you have your Bibles tonight, turn to the book of Colossians this evening. And we're going to continue to talk about walk, our walk with Jesus, walking with the Lord, and bringing glory to Him through our lives. Uh, that's what Colossians is uh, the theme. We're going to be mentioning that on a regular basis. And I hope, you know, and I believe as we mentioned before, with the church at Colossae, they were, some false doctrine had gotten into the church. And what's another word for doctrine? That we would, we don't use doctrine that often. What's a word that we use for doctrine? Teaching, theology, uh, but it's teaching. It's, it's what we believe it's, and so forth. But uh, there, had some, there was some doctrine that started getting into the church that didn't up and deny Christ, um, but it was questionable at best. It was popular, but was it right? And that's what they're kind of dealing with here in the book of Colossians. But it's cool because, again, you say, well, I thought you said the theme was walking with Jesus. And it is, our walk with the Lord. And, but that's why it matters. If we're going to have a, a, the, the right walk with the Lord, what we believe does matter. What we believe does matter. Uh, I thought about walking. When you think about walking, what do you think about? What, what do you, because I was just seriously thinking about this. God uses this example so often. I mean, think about going all the way back to Adam. God walked with, you know, God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. Uh, you know, uh, we know that uh, who Enoch walked with God and all these different people walked with God. Then you get to the New Testament. It talks about us walking with Jesus. And I'm just trying myself to think, okay, it seems simple enough. And I'm like, Lord, help me to get my mind around. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by walking? Yeah, that's a, that's a good example because you go and Melanie walks on a regular basis and she has to make it a point to do that. Yeah, you do it on purpose. Okay, and, and, and that's a good one because that's one that I, you know, as I sit there and was meditating and thinking this morning, I thought about that. Then uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 came to mind where the Bible says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should uh, follow in his steps. That you should follow his steps. Um, so yeah, that's, that's right. It's uh, following in the steps he left, uh, uh, being intentional. What else do you think about it with walking? I thought something else with walking. You're going somewhere. So walking... Uh, hesitant to use this word, uh, but I'm not going to let them rob it. Take it from me, amen. It's progressive. <laughs> it's progressive. You're, you're making progress. You're, you're accomplishing something. Uh, you're, you're walking. Uh, yeah, so it's progressive. Uh, anything else you got? Any thoughts that you want to throw out on walking? Okay, I had a couple. What did I get from over here? Repetitive. That's right. It's, it's, it's step after step. What was the other one I heard? Partners, amen. Yeah, because praise the Lord, that's good news, isn't it? We're, we're not walking on our own. It says walking with the Lord. So that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, so a couple things I'll just throw out here that, that I thought about walking being progressive. In other words, it's uh, you're making progress, and it is. It's interesting that God chose walking because it's just one step, you know, one foot after the other, one step after 
Michael was talking about getting impatient. Uh, so often we want to see further, don't we? Uh, but God says, just take the next step. Just do what you know to do. Uh, don't get so caught up on what is the hundredth step you need to take when God says, hey, just take your next step and your next step. And it's not that we shouldn't plan, don't misunderstand me, but, but as we plan, we just need to keep walking and doing right. Uh, you know, I, sometimes we get stalled out sitting around, uh, you know, we, we're, we're standing here saying, God, what do you want me to do? You know, ultimately, what do you want me to do? You know, we're praying about this big picture, and I can remember we're praying about the will of God for my life. Lord, what do you want me to do? Ultimately, what, what have you put me on this earth for? And now I already knew that he wanted me to tithe. I already knew he wanted me to give to missions. I already knew that he wanted me to be a witness. I already knew that he, uh, you know, some of these basic things that we know rejoice in him. But instead of taking those steps, I'm saying, yeah, I know all that, but I want to know those steps over there. But in order to get up there, I need to keep walking on this. In other words, we need to, when you're praying about what God would have you to do, you need to make sure that you're doing what you already know to do. That's a very important biblical principle. Uh, if God's, don't be asking God about uh, this, you know, C when you've ignored A and B. Forget about it. Uh, you, you look at Jesus' conversation with Pilate, and you'll see an example of that. Uh, Jesus and Pilate were having a back and forth until Pilate made, uh, made a statement that really revealed his heart. Jesus obviously knew it already, but he said, what is truth? What is truth? And he just got to the point to where he was no longer, and it wasn't a, he wasn't really inquiring like, I would like to know what truth is. He was just kind of in a mocking way. Well, what is truth? Uh, and uh, the, the conversation, Pilate shut down on what Jesus had already revealed to him, and so Jesus wasn't going to reveal the next thing to him if he wasn't willing to accept that. So it's, it's progressive, uh, it's pursuing, it's pursuing. Uh, don't we normally have a goal in mind if we set out walking? We normally have a goal in mind. We're normally trying to get somewhere. We're walking, we're pursuing, it's progressive, it's pursuing. Uh, so if you're pursuing and it's progressive, that's why it's important to have the right knowledge so that we'll know on which direction to, prog to progress and which direction and, and what to pursue. So that's why what we believe really is important. Now, uh, I, I think of one of the things that's emphasized here in the book of Colossians, and we'll get into these verses in just a moment, but just think about these statements again, just in the way of introduction. Maybe you've said this, and if you have said this, I'm not picking on you, but have you heard this statement before? It doesn't matter where you go to church, just as long as you're going. Now, what do you think about that statement? It can sound good, it sounds charitable, but, well, I got a question, though. What does this church teach about Christ? Exactly. What does this church preach about Jesus Christ? Uh, what does this church preach, teach about salvation? Right? So, therefore, it does matter. Could we not argue that it could be more detrimental? I have a loved one over here with my, my family that was not a church-going type family. A lot of people in my, my family not with a church background. You know what? You talk to them about the Lord, you talk to them about heaven and hell, they'll tell you right now, I'm a sinner, and boy, I hope I'm going to heaven, but I know the way I'm living, probably not. In other words, 
you can deal with that. Now put that, do I want that family member to get into this church over here? convert to this religion and all of a sudden for them uh, to be told well guess what now that you're given money now that you're a part of this church now that you've been sprinkled now that you've been confirmed now that you've you know whatever else that is that you've did uh, you've got a really good chance of going to heaven now because you've hooked up with us now I've got to try to get all that out of them and I've got to try to get through all that in order to get the truth to them I'm just saying arguably uh, they're in worse shape. Matter of fact, you think about this. Do you remember the example that Jesus gave uh, with the man who had, uh, that had an unclean spirit that went out of him? And he cleaned everything up and got things all good, but the Bible says that he didn't replace. He, he didn't get saved. He just get, turned over a new leaf. He just got things right. And Jesus said that, seven, that that evil spirit brought back, uh, what was it, six or seven other spirits with him to indwell him. In other words, he was in worse shape uh, than he was when he started uh, because uh, I, I believe the point there really is that he, he didn't truly get saved by the grace of God. So the, the point that I'm just trying to emphasize here with the book of Colossians, we see it with Galatians, we see it with some of the other epistles, but it just gives us an opportunity to emphasize it really does matter what you believe. It really does matter what you believe. Uh, you, you'll hear this statement. It's, it can almost be cliche sometimes. I've said it many times. But because what you believe determines, determines how you behave. If I'm trying to walk with God, and if you're, go, if you're saved, number one, if you're saved by God's grace, and I believe that's the thing that Paul's really appealing here to these saved Christians in this Colossian church, they ought to have a desire to walk with Jesus. But what he's saying is, how can you know which, which, what, if you're progressing if you don't really know the truth? How can you know if you're pursuing the right things if it's not based on sound doctrine? So, uh, you, th you think about this. This is something that you'll hear from time to time as well in, in ecumenical settings. Uh, you know, boy, this is a great religious meeting that we're having. We're going to get together, and we've got people from all sorts of different religions, but you know, we get together and we get along so well and we're, because we're not going to discuss doctrine. We don't discuss doctrine. Now, if this is meant to be a religious gathering, it's one thing if we're getting, to, you know, if it's a political gathering and just as a citizen I'm being a part of this, but as a religious gathering, count me out. You're going to leave out that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? That's our doctrine. You're going to leave out that you must be born again? That's doctrine. You know you're going to leave out these things? Um, that's important. It matters. So Colossians is about walking with Jesus, but here's another thing I'll say about false doctrine. False doctrine not only... Uh, not only does it take away the path that we, that we need to be on and, and obscure that path that we need to be on, uh, but it also, I believe, takes us away from the Lord Jesus Christ. False doctrine takes us away from the Lord. It may get us closer to a religion. It may get us closer to a group. It may pump us up with pride. But false doctrine takes us away from that close personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I, I talked about obscuring the path. I wonder, if, I wonder if a verse came to anybody's mind when I talked about false doctrine obscuring our path and our way. Psalm 119 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. 
Thy word. The word of God is what gives a light to our feet. How do I know which way I need to go? I know the word of God. I've got the knowledge of God's word. Therefore, I know, I know which way I ought to step. It's a lamp into my feet. It's a light into my path. I can see the next step. I can see up ahead. <laughs> I've used this illustration before, uh, so pardon me for using it again, but uh, when you get in your car tonight to go back, uh, for those of you that are heading, well, even those that are in town for that matter, but those that are driving some distance tonight, when you get, get in your car, if it's dark and you turn your lights on, your light, when you turn your lights on in this parking lot, they are not going to be shining on your house, are they? They only go so far ahead. See, God's words, it's a lamp into my feet, it's a light into my path. And so, again, I, I mentioned that earlier, alluded to that earlier. We don't always know where it's going up here, but we just keep following that path. But what happens if you don't have the Word of God? What happens if you don't know the Word of God? What happens if you are relying on milk? You know, and, and, and you know, because the, the goal is for every child of God to be on meat to be on meat. In other words, to be able to, die, to take in the Word of God and uh, take in, understand it, let God minister to their hearts, let God change them, help them in order to help somebody else. Remember, all milk, it, there's nothing wrong with milk. Uh, milk is, is milk is, you know, you, you get milk from a cow, it's food. So that, that cow took in solid food and then it was able to produce to, through, through the digestion process after it goes through the cow, then it produces milk, right? So in other words, there's nothing wrong with someone else who is able to digest, the, to take in and digest the solid food and then give milk out. Uh, we all ought to be doing that, but by the grace of God, we ought to be taking in solid food, taking in meat. And so... Uh, so walking with the Lord. Look at just a couple of verses with me uh, today, and I'm, I'm trying to get through this introductory part of this particular message. But Colossians 2, well, actually, let's look at Colossians 1, verse 10, just to emphasize a couple of these verses about walking with the Lord. Colossians 1, 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord. And I'll read more of that one hopefully just in a moment, that you might walk worthy of the Lord. I'll just read one more for now, chapter 2, verse 6. Where the Bible says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. And then it tells us how to walk in Him, that we'll, uh, that we'll see that in just a moment. But uh, with, with, uh, with that in mind, I just want to remind you about this walk, and it does matter what we believe. Now, let's read these first uh, 11 uh, verses. I believe we'll read the first 11 verses here. Uh, and then we'll try to get into the mess, get into these verses. Chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. So they're saints. What does it mean? Any, anybody know any saints? Amen. Look around. Look around. Uh, if you're saved by the grace of God, uh, you are a saint. And uh, going forward after tonight, I'm going to start referring to you that way, Saint Bud. Amen. Saint Tony. And on down the line. Uh, you might be able to buy that uh, Tony's a saint before you can Bud. Uh, but no, a, a saint, praise God, listen. Christ, we're saints. It's the people that are saved by the grace of God. Uh, we don't need some, a bunch of cardinals and blue jays or anything else to vote on whether or not 
we're saints or not, uh, when we accepted Christ as our Savior, uh, listen, we became, we, were, we are saints in Christ. So unto the saints, and I like this, faithful brethren, faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. And I just got to emphasize that again as we read uh, that's where all of us ought to be. Every child of God, number one, if you're saved, you're in Christ, but where are you at? And that's what you'll see repeated in the, in the, in the Word of God. In other words, they're in Christ, but they're at Colossae. And in this context, where are they at? They're at the church at Colossae because that's where God wants you to be. He wants you to be, number one, saved and in Christ, but once you're saved and in Christ, He wants you to be a part of a local church. Uh, and you see that repeated in the New Testament. And so, uh, so, so in Christ at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. And just to pause right there to remind you, he said, we've heard of this because we haven't seen it. Paul had not been to this church um, but he had heard of it, and he had seen the, the, the fruits of it, uh, and the love which you have to all the saints. Verse 5, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is coming to you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience with uh, patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Let's read verse 12 as well. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So these first 10 verses, we're going to try to cover as, as much of this as we can today because what I want to try to focus on are three, to, to start with, three essentials to walking with Jesus that he gives us in the verses I just read to you. Three essentials to walking with Jesus. And with the background, I'm going to give you the false doctrine that they're dealing with there in Colossians. And, and again, we mentioned it last week, but it's amazing that there's some of the same types of doctrine around today that we have to be on guard for. But the three essentials, I'll give them to you right now. Number one, if we're going to walk with Jesus, we need grace. Notice verse number two, uh, the Bible says, to the saints and faithful brethren which are at Colossae, grace be unto you. And then he gets down in verse number six, the last few verses there, and he says, you knew the grace of God in truth. So walking with Jesus, number one, requires grace. Number two, requires a guide. Requires a guide. Number three, requires a goal. Requires a goal. Three essentials. Walking with Jesus re requires grace requires a guide, and requires a goal. Let's begin by looking at God's grace. Amen? Walking with Jesus uh, begins with grace. He said grace and peace. Now, grace is a common greeting in 
the New Testament. That's the way they would greet people, grace to you. Uh, but I'm telling you, not only is it just a common greeting, but I'm telling you it is a foundational truth. We talk about doctrine matter. matter. If you want to have a walk with Jesus, it's going to have to start by grace through faith. In other words, for by grace are you saved through faith, faith, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, we don't just set off, we don't just decide we're turning over a new leaf and walking with Christ. No, we must first be born again, born by the grace of God. It's not by works, it's not by anything that we can do, it's by what Jesus has already accomplished. It's us putting our faith in the finished work of Christ, which is to say His death, burial, and resurrection, that He died for our sins, He rose again the third day, and, uh, and, and therefore we can be justified by what He's accomplished for us. He he, he has secured what it takes. He, he took our hell. He took our condemnation. And by grace, through faith, we can trust in Him. So it begins with grace. Now, this is a walk of grace, and we need to understand God's grace if we're going to walk effectively. Now, of course, we're saved by grace, but I want to say this. We're not only supposed to be saved by grace, we're supposed to be living by grace. Is that something? I, 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 that's, that's not a profound statement, but I'm telling you, I believe there's a lot of Christians that have a hard time getting that through their heads. They get saved, and they know it's by grace through faith, but sometimes we still think it's relying on, that it's dependent upon us to, uh, to carry out, to, to do the works, uh, to where, yes, work, we ought to be working, but it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, it's not that God saves you and say, now, and then he says, let's see what you can do now. No, we're, we're, we're saved by grace through faith. We live by grace through faith. We're, we're kept by grace through faith. That's all him. See, there's nothing added to salvation, and there's nothing added to really Christian service. Just think about the peace, the joy, the freedom of the grace of God. Think about the humility of grace. The humility of grace. Now, there's a reason, mind you, that one of the things the Colossians were having to deal with, there was, among the things they dealt with, there was a blend of these doctrines and philosophies, a hint of legalism working within their uh, church. Legalism. Now, how would you define legalism uh, proper. I mean, what, what's, what's the true definition of legalism? Rules, someone said. There's a, there's a, little, more, there, there's a little more to that. Keeping the law to be saved. Now, that's the true definition that, uh, of legalism. Now, uh, so, so there's that side of it. Now, oftentimes we will also refer to, you could say this, I talked about God's grace saving. Sometimes we will talk about people who try to put so many stringent rules, and a lot of times it's their rules, not God's rules. In order to be right with God, you've got to keep these rules that we've traditionally kept, and we'll oftentimes call them legalists. There's a lot of people that get called legalists that aren't, aren't legalists in the true sense of the word, uh, but... Uh, you know, if, we, if we're talking about semantics, but uh, we still often call them legalists because they make up rules and say, if you ain't keeping these rules, you're not right with God. Uh, but the true sense of the word does mean that you are being saved. Either 
way. There's an appeal to legalism. There's an appeal to legalism. If you think about it, I, I just kind of hit it. The, if you think about what triggered me saying this, I talked about the humility of grace. One, what, what's some of the appeals to legalism, whether it's the legalism in the true sense of the word that means you work and you earn your salvation or the legalism that says, yes, I'm saved by grace through faith, but I'm living better than you, so I am better than you. I'm spiritually elite because I have more discipline and I, I refrain from more things than what you refrain from. Therefore, I'm more spiritual than you. In any, at any rate, what, what are some of the appeals of legalism? I'm begging for this one. Pride. Kurt, what was you going to say? See, and that's another big comfort of legalism. One is pride. It, it's, legalism is appealing because of pride. Legalism is appealing because, okay, you tell me the rules. I keep them. I'm right with God. Uh, I've got the rules, and... I'm, I'm right with God. So, so a lot of people, there's, there's a security. There's a laziness in legalism. There really is. You know, because legalism says, what must I do? And here's the thing, Kurt said it. You basically, you get this list, and one of the big problems, and I'm telling you, some of you have witnessed this uh, yourself. I've witnessed this. Now, again, I'm talking more in terms of people given a list of what makes you right with God. They, you know, you're saved by grace through faith, but then they add these things. One of the comforts to that is the, being able to check the list off, but here's the problem. If you think about it, legalism in that sense that happens in, I believe, a lot of churches that otherwise are great churches, legalism in that sense has a ceiling, doesn't it? Uh, I've often thought of it this way. It has a ceiling because once you achieve and check off all these boxes, then all of a sudden... You've got it. You're spiritual. And, and, and the way I like to think of it is this way. I like to think of it as th that, you get, that you're now on the Sanhedrin, <laughs> the Pharisees, you know. And now you get to be one of the people in the church. I wonder if there's any of you that were ever one of the people in the church. I was. That, that, that sat on the Sanhedrin. See, I was there at every service. I followed, you know, all the rules, and I, I, I crossed the, uh, the T's and dotted the I's, and, and, and now what do I get to do? Now I get to sit up here in judgment on those who, huh, you know, they stumped their toe. They weren't able to come to church tonight, huh? You know, and uh, they, oh, yeah, I, I saw uh, them the other day, and... You know, uh, you know, I, I saw Ron out in his uh, shorts or something, you know, and all of a sudden, oh, because that certainly means not a spirit, right? I mean, and some of you, thank God, are puzzled by what I'm talking about, and I'm glad for that, but there's too many of us that know exactly what I'm talking about. But that's what legalism does. It, it, you, you, it has a ceiling to it. You hit that ceiling, now you're proud. It's one of the, there, there's a security what do I do? These things? Got it. Now I'm spiritual. But see, uh, grace is 
In a, in a way, grace, grace can be more challenging than that in the sense that grace doesn't say, okay, I made it, I'm good. Grace says, man, I want to keep going further. I want to go that next. See, legalism in that sense, they, you know, just like those where Jesus said uh, that if somebody, you know, the, the, there, was a, there was a custom, a Roman law, whatever it was, that as a Roman soldier, you're familiar with the story, many of you, when a Roman soldier would pass through a Jewish village, he, he could pick anyone out of that Jewish village, and they were required by law to carry that, uh, carry that soldier's gear for one mile. One mile. So guess what they would have one mile out of town on the, on the road? A marker. <laughs> Something to made it a mile. Because guess what they would do? They would get to that mile, and what do you think they'd do? They'd drop it right there. And if I'd have been living that day, I'd have dropped it about a step or two short. That's what I would have done. Uh, but you know what Jesus said? He said, now, if they compel you to go a mile, go to. Adrian Rogers called it the miracle mile. I think, I think it might have been the name of the message he preached, the miracle mile. Because now you get to that mile, and uh, the Roman soldier's ready to pick back up. And uh, then the Christian is there saying, oh, no. You know what? I think I'll take it another mile for you. Well, that's different. And he's willing to take another. The conversation is different that next mile. Here's a question. Why are you going further than you have to go? Well, I'd like to tell you about Jesus. And uh, he's the one. And, and so it's a miracle mile. In other words, see, grace goes further. See, I'll tell you one, one way right now you can help. See, whether see the Bible talks about in the day that we live in, the Bible says the grace of God would be turned into lasciviousness, all manner of lust. Folks, that's not the grace of God. We're talking about the grace of God here, the God's grace. Uh, the grace of God is not lasciviousness. The grace of God, see, God's grace, what Jesus said, it. he said if they tell you to go a mile, what did he say about this? He said if they, if they ask for your uh, cloak, give them your coat also. Uh, See, you think about it. The, the law says if that, 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 that thou shalt not commit adultery. Grace says if you look on a woman to uh, lust after her, you've committed adultery already in your heart. Grace goes further. You know, we, I talked about this, I think, on Sunday, so I'm not going to belabor the point. But it just goes to the point of, you know, if I just love my wife to whatever was required to me by law, that would not be a very great marriage, Right? But I want to go above that. I want to go beyond that. The same with my children. I don't want to just, you know, what does the law, what does the law require of your kid, for you to do as a parent? You think about that for a moment. Not, I mean, okay, plenty, but not really all that much. Uh, in the big scheme of things, it's a good thing but you don't just live by law. Grace goes further. But the thing is, is that someone else is not the one determining this grace is a matter of the heart so you know what i'm doing what i'm doing because man god's been so good to me i'm not doing it to impress anybody else i'm not doing it to check the boxes off i'm not doing it so people aren't whispering about me at church uh i'm doing it because i love the lord and uh he's doing a work in my life and uh, I was talking to Michael today. I said, I don't think I'm going to get through this outline. And I, uh, but, but, but here again, grace, uh, the joy, the peace, the freedom of grace, the humility of grace. Um, he, he speaks here in, uh, let's see, I believe it's yeah, in verse number 6. 
He said, Which is coming to you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you. Talk a lot about fruit. Don't spend a lot of time on that one either, but, but that's great. Fruit is the product of grace. And I just say, as you've heard me mention many times, that's versus manufacturing. And I just always get this picture. I mean, of me, uh, when, when I worked at uh, A.B. Carter down in, uh, in my hometown in North Carolina, A.B. Carter, and uh, they would be running these punch presses, you know, just, just steel running through these presses and pressing out these parts. And the, the, the op, one of the operator's jobs is every once in a while he would take off one of those parts that had been stamped in this custom die, this die that had been set up to... Uh, punch out this particular part, and he would take every once in a while, and he'd have these calipers, a little scale on there, and he'd measure it out and make sure, it me make sure the measurements were right. Sometimes they wouldn't be right. He'd have to break the machine down, figure something out, clean it out, whatever. But that, I just think of that so often because I feel like that's what happens with some churches and some Christians. They're trying to manufacture and uh, rather than just let God produce fruit. So... Colossians, I believe what Colossians is saying, let's live this life. Let's live this Christian life. Let's walk with Jesus. Let's let what God has worked in our hearts work out of our hearts. Let's do this by making sure that we have the proper knowledge, by following Jesus. And again, from God, God works on us from the inside out. Because what happens when you work from the outside in that leads to hypocrisy. I'm thinking about preaching a message and entitling it, No Mask Required. No Mask Required. Uh, but then preaching about hypocrisy, amen, because that's hypocrisy is a mask. It's something you put on uh, to cover. And, uh, uh, but no mask required. See, hypocrisy from the outside in, that leads to hypocrisy. God changes us from the inside out. One of the reasons for the epistles is so that we can know how to follow Jesus, so that we, so the Word can be a lamp to our feet and a light into our path. Um, now, so this, this grace, I'll just have to give you these in, in closing, I suppose. This grace produces, and yes, I'm just still on grace. Uh, I was going to give you the, the, the three points is what we're going to cover all together in verses 1 through 11. The three essentials, it requires God's grace. It requires uh, God's guide, and it re requires the gracious um, uh, calling of the Lord and walking with Jesus, but God's grace. But look at some of the things that this grace produces. We'll look at what grace produces. Look at verse number 4 with me. It produces encouraging faith. Colossians 1 verse 4, Since the day we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which ye have to all the saints. So it, it, it produces, this kind of grace produces encouraging faith. We've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. But not only does it produce encouraging faith, it produces enduring love. Also there in verse 4, and the love which ye have to all the saints. By the way, where does faith come from? True biblical faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Folks, this isn't a blind faith. Uh, man, I was, if I could, that's uh, uh, on ahead in the message here, but there's a cool thing when you look at the idea of what it means to be a disciple word that it comes from, but it carries the idea of studying out and knowing. I mean, our faith is based on truth and reality, but he heard of their faith. I mean, they were stepping out. See, somebody put it this way. I thought it was a great thing. Faith is not believing. 
This is a good statement, a good quote. Faith is not believing in spite of, in spite of evidence. That's what some people think faith is. Faith is not believing in spite of evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of consequences. Obeying in spite of consequences. Chapter number 11, by faith. And then it's always followed with, they did this. They did that. They did the other thing. They weren't just people that had faith in their faith. That describes a lot of people, folks. They had faith in God's Word. So, in encouraging faith, endearing love. Uh, verse number 5, notice quickly. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. It produces not only an encouraging faith and an endearing love, but also an eternal hope. A ho hope there again is another word that we have uh, watered down a little bit, I think, oftentimes in our modern day vernacular. But uh, does anybody know a good biblical, or a good definition for the biblical word hope? I'll tell you what it is. It's assurance. Matter of fact, it's confident assurance. It's not what we often think of hope. I hope the election turns out well. I hope this communist revolution is quelled. We don't know, do we? Uh, but th that's not the kind of hope that's being talked about here. Folks, this is an eternal hope. This is assurance. Amen? So what does grace produce? Encouraging faith, endearing love, and then also eternal hope. He said there that you have a hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Folks, I'm glad that th it's not all about this world. Amen? It's not all about, we can have a good life now and, we, and so forth, but folks, it's not just about the here and now, it's also about the by and by. I was thinking today about Christian greetings, and I don't know why this came to mind, but I was thinking about a common word that was used in the early church, and I believe you'll find it at the end of 2 Corinthians, is the word Maranatha. Maranatha. And I believe it has to do with until he comes. As I stand here, I really wish I'd have looked that up because I could be so off base, you never know. It happens to me sometimes. But until he comes, folks, we have an eternal hope. Amen? We have an eternal I'm glad today I have a confident assurance. I know where I'm going to spend eternity. I know that Jesus is coming again soon. And I know that when he comes, I'm going up there with him. You said, are you boasting? If I'm boasting, I'm boasting in him <laughs> because I know because of the grace of God. Not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done. Aren't you glad that you've got a place, an enduring hope in heaven? Amen. An eternal hope in heaven. Folks, it's not just here. This life, this world is not all there is. I believe sometimes we get so blessed. As, when Sometimes Christians can be so blessed that we forget about our wonderful eternal home. Praise God, we get to spend eternity with Him. Why? Because of grace. So grace produces an encouraging faith, an endearing love, an eternal hope. Then lastly, I've already alluded to this, but it uh, produces enduring fruit, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. So the grace of God helped them to produce and bear fruit. I like the fact, you know one of the things that's, that's a joy in my ministry is to see people producing fruit. To see people, just God working in their lives. I mean, I think about it, 
I'm glad about the time that I get to be around uh, our youth group. And man, uh, Michael and Hannah do a great job working with them. And we got a good group. And I mean, we just, uh, if you know some kids, man, try to get them in there. Try to get them involved because it's cool seeing fruit from that. It's cool seeing what God's doing in the lives of some of these young people. It's good seeing what God's doing in the lives of people in the church. It's fruit. It's not something we're forcing. And isn't it an amazing thing? It's, it's an awesome thing when you come to church because you want to come to church, not because, man, I really don't want to go, but I know it's going to be laid on thick. And I know that that Sanhedrin is going to be running me in the dirt uh, if I don't show up tonight. It's good to come to church because you want to come to church. Amen? It's good to read the Bible because you want to read the Bible. It's good to let, uh, let God produce that fruit in your life. And, yeah, it, 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 it goes and grows. But I'm telling you, that's why we encourage one another. Amen? We speak to one another. Uh, I mean, there's, there's an enduring fruit that's produced by the grace of Almighty God. And I really believe, and I'm talking about this scriptural grace, not a lasciviousness grace of this modern day, but of biblical grace of just trying to point people, encourage people in the Word of God, and point people toward Jesus. And, uh, I mean, not micromanage, not try to stamp out, not try to force, you know. Uh, it, Every apple needs to be this side and this shade and this, uh, you know, produced at this rate and so forth. No, man. It's just good to see that enduring fruit, people growing in their love for the Word, growing in their love for God. But it's all, it is based, the important thing is, he closes verse 6 out by saying, and you, the grace of God in truth. That's the important part, right? The grace of God in truth. Because you say, well, preacher, that don't, that's not going to sound very gracious when you are, you know, uh, preaching against some false doctrine. Doesn't sound very gracious, preacher. When you're, you know, some people would say it doesn't sound very gracious to say that Jesus is the only way. Well, folks, that's the grace of God in truth. You know why? The Bible, so since the Bible says Jesus is the only way, guess what the truth of the matter is? Jesus is the only way. So it would be not very cool for me to try to tell people, well, you know, uh, you know, you know, you, you believe, you believe in, 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 in Allah, we call him Jesus, you call him Allah. You, you call him Buddha, we call him Jesus. You know, oh, they're so loving. They're not. They're awful. They're awful. Jesus, Jesus came and paid a great price. You see what I'm saying? Oh, the, the, the grace of God. Well, people don't feel like it's the grace of God when you get up and preach against abortion and you preach against homosexuality, you preach against adultery, you preach against fornication, you preach against drunkenness. Oh, wait, I thought we were about grace around here. We are. Praise God. Who, who in here is glad that God's grace has delivered you from those things? Amen? Right? That's Sin is bondage, people. God's grace is not bondage. God's grace is freedom, amen. Uh, and not, it's just like in our country. The principles that our country are founded on are biblical. It's not freedom to do wrong. It's freedom to do right. And that is true freedom, isn't it? Sin is binding. So the important part is God's grace in truth. And so what that allows you to do is it allows you, when we do address sin, we can do it with a gracious spirit. We don't do it in a condescending way because we all know something. We're all just a bunch of sinners saved by God's grace. Amen? 
So we don't do it in a condescending way. We're not trying to hurt somebody. We're not trying to make ourselves better than anybody else. Man, we're just trying to say, man, I'm a sinner, but let me tell you how God helped me, and I believe God can help you. Amen. He loves you, and he can free you from that sin. So the grace of God in truth. So that is one of the key essentials if we're going to have this walk with the Lord. So Lord willing, next week we'll talk about God's guide, the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, that'll help us discern some of these things. And then we'll also talk about uh, God's goal. God's goal. In other words, what is the goal for us? And that goal is to be like Him. Amen? All righty. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming tonight. Any uh, questions, comments, concerns, or gripes? Amen. Well, thank you all so much for coming tonight. Be sure you greet one another as you go. And you know what I want to say? You can be leaving still. That's fine. But I just want to say thank the Lord. You know, we're talking about the, the freedom in our state to, uh, to, to meet, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for a church that, uh, you know, has been so cool with us meeting. I've not, you know, like there, there's not been one person, uh, at least to me, sometimes they say the preacher's the last to know, but nobody has once come to me and said, preacher, are you trying to kill all of us? You know, for having church. Uh, or something. Not, not once has anybody said that, you know, and I just appreciate a church that's been uh, supportive and stuff in that as well. And we could take necessary precautions and whatnot, uh, but we don't want people sick. But I just appreciate a church that's been so cool. Amen. All right. Well, God bless you. Yeah, Chad.